Welcome, everyone, to the Buncombe Street United Methodist Church podcast. My name is Chris Ashley. I'm the director of congregational engagement here at our church and the host of this podcast each and every week. Hey, we are wrapping up, getting close to wrapping up at least, our series on the letters to the seven churches in Revelation. So if you haven't listened to this series, I would encourage you to go back and catch up. We did a a week one intro where we talked about Revelation chapter one and set up these letters. And then for the last five weeks after the intro, we have gone one by one through the letters to the seven churches found in Revelation chapters two and three. And now we were on chat. We are on letter number six today, which is the letter to the church in Philadelphia. And no, that's not Philadelphia in Pennsylvania. This is Philadelphia over in Asia Minor. But today's passage comes from Revelation chapter 3, verses 7 through 13. So I will read that to you now. And to the angel of the church in Philadelphia write, The words of the Holy One, the true one, who has the key of David, who opens and no one will shut, who shuts and no one opens. I know your works. Behold, I have set before you an open door, which no one is able to shut. I know that you have but little power, and yet you have kept my word and have not denied my name. Behold, I will make those of the synagogue of Satan who say that they are Jews and are not, but lie, Behold, I will make them come and bow down before your feet, and they will learn that I have loved you. Because you have kept my word about patient endurance, I will keep you from the hour of trial that is coming on the whole world to try those who dwell on this earth. I am coming soon. Hold fast what you have so that no one may seize your crown. The one who conquers, I will make him a pillar in the temple of my God. Never shall he go out of it, and I will write on him the name of my God and the name of the city of my God, the new Jerusalem, which comes down from my God out of heaven and my own new name. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. That is the letter to the church in Philadelphia. So if this is your first time joining us for this series, we ask the same five questions about each of these letters to see what we can learn here in our context in 2022 about ourselves as individuals, ourselves as a local congregation, um, specifically for our church, Buncombe Street United Methodist, uh, and for as a global church, right? So we're trying to learn things on all different levels. So the first question we ask is what is this church in Philadelphia doing right? Well, God here talks about them keeping their word and not denying his name. Behold, I have set before you an open door, which no one is able to shut. That door is a little bit of an analogy there, right? God has placed them in this city and has put an open door there for them to share the gospel, for them to be living out their faith, for them to be witnessing. And no one's able to shut that door because it has been set there by the Lord. And he says, I know that you have but little power, but you have kept my word and not denied my name. 
So that needs a little bit of context. So here in Philadelphia, there is a synagogue community, a community of local Jews who are very hostile to these Christians. And so it's it's difficult for them to not only exist, but to do the work that they feel like they should be doing. So when they feel threatened with their own lives, it's it's not necessarily always easy to have church and and evangelize and do the things that they they are called to do but Jesus here tells them they have kept his word and not denied his name and he praises their patient endurance the fact that in the midst of this prosecution they have endured and they have shown patience and they have remained true so that's the first question what they're doing right the second question we're asking about each of these churches what are they doing wrong Well, you might notice that we have another outlier here, that this is not a church that is reprimanded even at all. And in fact, the only reprimand we see in this passage is not to the church, but to that synagogue community, right? He says, uh, I will make those of the synagogue of Satan who say that they are Jews and are not, but lie. Behold, I will make them come and bow down before your feet and they will learn that I have loved you. So he, he, he is admonishing this outer, outside community and not holding anyone in Philadelphia accountable. He's going to make them come and bow down and show that he has loved them. And that's an interesting statement in context of the history of what ultimately becomes of the Christians in Philadelphia. And to explain a little bit more, I want to read from you directly from uh, the pulpit commentary. And it says this, so at the close of the 14th century, it was the last Byzantine city, that being Philadelphia, to surrender to the Turks. And when it did succumb, made better terms than any of the others. To this day, it retains the privilege of free Christian worship with the use of bells for service and processions in public, a thing allowed by the Turks in no other inland city of Asia Minor. So in a sense, what Jesus promises here, that I'm going to make them come and bow down and they will learn that I have loved you, ultimately comes to fruition in the fact that to this day, the Christians in this city are now allowed to freely worship a privilege that is not given to everyone, right? Not given to everyone where they're at. And they're kind of an anomaly in that way. And so I think that that shows the staying power to these promises. So what instruction then is given? That is our third question for these letters. And in this one, he says, hold fast for I'm coming soon so that no one will take your crown. So there's a promise and an instruction. I am coming soon. And I always, uh, I think this is a thing that people over history, over Christian history have struggled with. What does it mean when Jesus says, I am coming soon, I'm returning soon. And yet he also says, no one will know the hour at which we will return. I think there's this idea of constant readiness, being always ready for God's return. There, the the old saying, keep your eyes on the sky, right? Keep your eyes on the sky because Jesus is coming back. 
Now, obviously, no one that read this letter back then has lived to see that return. And that's where the word soon is relative, right? What's soon to us may not mean the same thing as what's soon to Jesus. I am coming soon. Hold fast to what you have so that no one may seize your crown. Don't let people pull you down from the position that I am saying, that I'm acknowledging that you hold. I'm I'm encouraging you. I'm telling you, I'm, I'm praising you in the fact that you've had this patient endurance, that you've kept my word and not denied my name. And don't let everyone, don't let anyone seize that crown. Don't let them pull you down from that. Question number four, what is promised to them? And this is the Nike in the passage, the to the one who conquers, to the one who is victorious. He says, I will give you protection from the hour of trial because he says this in uh, verse 10, because you have kept my word about patient endurance, I will keep you from the hour of trial that is coming on the whole world because you have kept my word about patient endurance. I will keep you from the hour of trial. There's protection that he's offering to them. The second thing he offers is that he will make them a pillar in the temple of God. And I started thinking about it. Like what some of these promises seem to be a little uh metaphorical. So I started thinking like what does it mean to be a pillar in the temple of God and why would he say that to this church in Philadelphia in context of the things that he has praised them for? Well, let's think about the things he's praised them for. Patience, endurance, steadfastness, in other words, strength in the midst of persecution. What does a pillar do? A pillar is used to hold up something. A pillar has to be steady. It has to be strong, right? So, of course, you're going to say that about people who have patiently endured, who have kept the word, who have not denied the name of Christ in the midst of persecution, who have remained steadfast, who have held up. That's the definition of a pillar. So putting them as the the the, the anchors, the the things holding up this community, this new temple of the Lord. The third thing he says is, um, I'm going to write some names on you, the name of God, the name of the new city, and my own name I'm going to write on you. So what does that mean? Well, I started thinking about, there's a movie I really loved. I think it came out, um, I was probably late elementary school or maybe early middle school when this came out, a movie called Toy Story, a very first one. And if you remember Toy Story, uh, it centers around Woody and Buzz Lightyear. And the two, Woody is the longtime cowboy toy of a boy named Andy. And Buzz is kind of the new toy. And so there's some friction there, right? But one thing that both of these toys have in common particularly by the end of the movie, but even early on, is that Andy writes his name on the the sole of the shoes of each of those characters. They both belong to him. And that's the central crux of that movie. They, they're fighting for acceptance. They're fighting for belonging. Who's the most beloved toy? So when Christ here says to the church in Philadelphia, like he's going to write 
the name of God and the name of the new city and even his own name on you. I think it's a I think it's a statement of of possession. It's claiming us, claiming them as his own. You will be my own. And I think that's a really, really cool promise for us as Christians. I think that's something that we would strive to, right? We do that ourselves. We call ourselves Christians. We write his name on our own identity. And that's what he promises here as well. So the fifth and final question for each of these letters is what can we learn from the church in Philadelphia? Well, I I think it's it's not overly complicated here, right? We should stand strong and become pillars. We should be pillars of our communities. We should be lights in our communities. We should be pillars for the faith, standing strong in the midst of whatever circumstances we are in and setting the example, holding up, being steady, being strong. And second, we should have patience and endurance. There's a lot going on in the world, in society, in our local congregation, potentially in your own personal life that is meant to distract you and seize your crown, as he says to this church. There's a lot that happens in our lives that should and could distract us, but patience, endurance, that's the calling on our lives. Right now, I'm training to run um, my third half marathon in my life. They've been quite spaced out. I'm not, I'm not a regular runner of these kinds of races, but I have run a few, and I'm training to run another one. And I, I don't love running. I like it. I think it's great exercise. Um, it's probably my preferred mode of exercise. But I think anybody that says they just love running, uh, I, I just don't understand that on a base level because like this running, especially distance running requires patience and it requires endurance, right? And you have to work yourself up to endurance. So half marathon, 13.1 miles. I could not run 13.1 miles right now. Well, maybe I could because I've been training for a little while, but when I started training, there's no way I could have done that. So you have to work your way up. So you start, you know, the first long run is, three miles and then it's four miles and then it's five miles and then it's six miles. And then it's last week I ran seven miles. So I'm working my way up to the endurance level to be able to run the full distance. And that requires immense patience because I live, we live in a world of instant stuff, right? Having our brain flooded with all kinds of stuff. And when you're out on a run, that's going to take you over an hour when I ultimately work up to the the half marathon range, it's going to be for me probably in the close to three hour range. Um, that's a long time. <laughs> that's a long time to just run with your thoughts. And yeah, I listen to podcasts and listen to music, but you have to have patience. There's a lot of patience there, and there's a lot of patience through the pain and through the through the endurance. Um, so I'm learning a lot about that even now in my own life. So stand strong, become pillars, have patience, have endurance. There's a lot we can learn here from Philadelphia. And next week, we're going to turn the page to, to Laodicea. But before we go, let me pray for us. Father God, thank you for once again 
bring us together digitally here through this podcast. Thank you for everything you're teaching us through these letters and for this what we are learning from the church in Philadelphia this week. God, I pray that you will be with us as we push forward to Sunday and be with us as we gather back together with our family once again. We pray all this in your name. Amen. Hey, thanks for tuning in again this week. I can't wait to be back with you to wrap up this series next week. But until then, grace and peace to you all.